You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast we talk about all the Major League Baseball. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Let me tell you how serious I am about my podcasting baseball in the offseason. We are doing one on a Saturday. That's right. You get six episodes this week. It's not even the baseball season. It's December, and I'm giving you six episodes. Why? Because I like you. Yeah, you. And we're also doing it because I'd like to complete my series of the best postseason games of the 2010s. And today we're covering the best game five of the World Series of the last decade. And folks, there are some great ones. There are some ones that I bet you forgot how great they were. This podcast is available on the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Player FM, Podbean. And all the places you get it, you get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. We're available on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the great work they're doing. The good folks at Locked On are doing great work at Locked On MLB on all the podcasts. It really is your team every day. I'm personally at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. What can we say about the Game 5s of the World Series of this past decade? Let me tell you a couple things. There were some games that were the finals that clinched the World Series. And some of those games that clinched the World Series were madcap, loony, dramatic, and the type of games that fan bases will remember forever. And there was one game that got to be so nuts that I started laughing out loud in the middle of the game, holding my hands in the air saying, what the hell is happening? That's right. I dropped a hell bomb. And that's not one of the games I'm going to mention right off the bat. Because let's talk about the honorable mention game fives of the World Series. Because there's a bunch of them. In 2010, the Cliff Lee versus Tim Litzica matchup was as advertised. It was, a, it was a bust in game one, which was a slugfest. But this one, they were dealing. The Rangers were fighting for their survival. And the Giants were trying to clinch their first title since moving to San Francisco. So in many ways, for fan bases, this was a unique World Series. Not a very unique World Series, but a unique World Series. It was the first time since 1980 that the World Series was being played between two franchises whose fan bases had not seen a World Series title ever. And notice how I phrase that. The Texas Rangers had never even been to a World Series before 2010. The Giants had been in several World Series, and they won several World Series as well. But as the New York Giants, the San Francisco Giants never won, which seems strange when you know how this decade unfolded eventually. So the Giants were kind of win it all. The Rangers were trying to survive. It was scoreless through six, and it looked like neither pitcher were going to blink. Cody Ross and Juan Uribe singled to lead off the seventh inning. After a sacrifice bunt, Pat Burrell struck out and looked like he was going to be the GOAT. Lee looked like he was going to wiggle out of it when eventual World Series MVP Edgar Renteria lifted a three-run home run that just cleared Murphy and the wall in left center field and gave the Giants a 3-0 lead. Suddenly, Giant fans were thinking, whoa, is it, is, is it real? Now, Nelson Cruz would homer off of Lincecum, 
but it would be his only blemish. Lincecum would finish with eight innings, three hits, two walks, ten strikeouts, and that lone run. Everyone, including your pal Sully, thought Lincecum was going to come out and complete the game and clinch the World Series title. But Brian Wilson came in. Now, I personally would have let Lincecum get those final outs, but I'm not Bruce Bochy, and Giant fans seem perfectly content to see Wilson throw a 1-2-3 ninth. The Giants won the game with a 3-1 victory, and for the first time in franchise history, the San Francisco Giants were World Series champs. They would later triple that over the course of the decade. In 2011, the Rangers were back, and the series was not at two games apiece, and Chris Carpenter looked like he was going to give the Cardinals an edge. He took a 2-1 to one lead into the sixth when Adrian Beltre of the Rangers homered with two outs and tied the game. The Cardinals got three hits and a walk in the seventh inning, but couldn't score. And Alan Craig would get thrown out stealing twice in the game. Lots of weird base running involving Alan Craig in the World Series in the 2010s. Uh, Tony La Russa used four pitchers in the eighth, and Mike Napoli broke a tie with a two-run double. Craig would get caught stealing in that ninth inning as well, and the Rangers held on a 4-2 final to go up 3-2 in the series. In 2013, another good solid matchup, Adam Wainwright versus John Lester, and Lester went seven and two-thirds innings, and Wainwright went seven. He struck out 10 along the way. But David Ortiz, who would go on to win the World Series MVP, doubled in a run in the first to put the Red Sox on the board. Matt Holliday tied the game with a home run. In the seventh, it was David Ross hitting a ground rule double to break the tie in the seventh. The Red Sox added an insurance run, and Uehara got the final four outs to lock up a 3-1 to Red Sox final. And the Red Sox took a three-game-to-two lead back to Boston. Okay. Here's the game that I almost picked as the best game five of the World Series of the decade. And any other game number, this would have easily been it. But in 2015, Met fans, you may want to skip ahead. The Mets season was on the line. The embarrassing errors of game four and the blown save of game one put them in a three to one hole. But Curtis Granderson led off Game 5 with a homer, and a Lucas Duda sacrifice fly made the game 2-0, and Matt Harvey was looking like he was going to have his great moment in the sun, his great New York sports moment, his in a year where people were complaining about his, how he was handling his pitching staff and him asking to sit out certain innings, he was showing he was the ace that everyone fell in love with in 2013. And you could see him in the game saying to manager... Uh, Terry Collins, that he, don't take me out. I'm pitching in the ninth. He was gonna, it was his game. He was going to go nine. So he did come out. He let up a leadoff walk, which is always dangerous with the Kansas City Royals that year and all the jackrabbits and fast runners they had on that team. And Eric Hosmer got an RBI double. Suddenly it was 2-1 to one with a tying run and scoring position. That's all they needed. Harvey was out. Familia who technically had two blown saves in the World Series. The, the, the second blown save, Game 4, was should have been on Clippard. I mean, he was put in a t- possible situation that Clippard put him in. But Familia got a quick out, and then he got Salvador Perez to ground out. But Eric Hosmer broke for home 
and tied the game when the throw to home plate went wild. So suddenly it was 2-2. Now neither the Mets nor the Royals posed much of a threat in the 10th or the 11th, but Mets reliever Addison Reed allowed a leadoff single, and with two outs, pinch hitter Christian Colon slapped an RBI single. Alcides Escobar and Lorenzo Cain added RBI doubles to pad the lead, and Wade Davis had little trouble getting three outs in the 12th, and the Royals, with a misleading 7-2 final score, won the World Series, and Met fans were devastated. Now, in 2016, the Indians had their sights on winning the World Series on Wrigley Field's soil, and Jose Ramirez homered off of John Lester to put Cleveland up one nothing and in line to win the World Series. But Lester settled down, and a homer by Chris Bryant, and RBI hits by Addison Russell and David Ross. Hey, there's David Ross again. Put the Cubs up 3-1. to one. The Indians cut the lead to 3-2, to two, and had a tying run on second with one out in the seventh when Aroldis Chapman came in to get a long save. He wiggled out of trouble in the seventh and eighth and threw a 1-2-3 ninth to save the 3-2 final and send the series back to Cleveland. And I think you could probably guess we'll be talking later about Game 7 in Cleveland. Now, in 2018, both Clayton Kershaw and David Price, Cy Young Award winners with postseason issues, were up for their moment to redeem their World Series reputation. And from the start, it looked like neither had it. Clayton Kershaw let up a two-run home run to Steve Pierce in the first, while Price allowed a leadoff shot to David Freeze. Freeze also got a triple, getting the hard parts of the cycle. He was later pinch hit for. Go figure. Now, Price settled down and allowed just two more runs, uh, two more hits, I'm sorry, and two walks over seven-plus innings, and the home run by Freeze was the only run he let, he let up. He pitched into the eighth before being relieved, and Price made a hell of an argument to be the World Series MVP that year. I actually would have voted for him to be the World Series MVP, but guess who did? Steve Pierce, who homered again, and actually Clayton Kershaw let up three home runs all together, and his reputation as a World Series pitcher did not improve that night. Chris Sale came out of the bullpen to have his World Series moment, get the final three outs, and the Red Sox won the title 5-1. to one. All of those games were thrilling. All those games were tremendous. None of them were the best Game 5 of the World Series because one game could only be described as cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But let me tell you, if you're looking for a gift for a friend you didn't see over Christmas or during the holidays or whatever, you, you want a good, fun sports gift? Then go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports teas, shirts, around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. October 29, 2017. The Los Angeles Dodgers, the Houston Astros. Both teams won 100 games. Both teams were in the World Series. The series was tied at two games apiece. Going into the game, we already knew there was drama happening. We also knew the ball was being handed to the Astros pitcher, Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel's trophy case includes a Cy Young Award. The Dodgers were handed the ball to Clayton Kershaw. His trophy case 
has several. So something had to give. Some team had to emerge as a winner in this game. And friends, I can tell you honestly, for a period of time during Game 5 of the 2017 World Series, arguably one of the most bananas games I've ever watched in my life, I was not sure a team was going to win that game. I thought the game was simply going to go on until the end of time or the heat death of the universe, whichever came first. Eventually, the game did come to a conclusion. In fact, two World Series, two other World Series ended as well since that game ended. But part of me still thinks, or would like to think, that those two teams are still playing somewhere this wild, weird, silly game. From the start, the Dodgers jumped on Dallas Keuchel, single by Taylor, a couple of walks, an RBI single by Forsyth, and a throwing error that allowed a third run to score. The Dodgers were up three runs before the Astros could even come to bat. And early on, Clayton Kershaw looked like, hey, I'm the real Clayton Kershaw now. Hand the ball to me. We'll be up 3-2. Kershaw throws a 1-2-3 first, 1-2-3 second, 1-2-3 third. Everything is looking okay. For L.A., in the fourth, Austin Barnes got another single that drove in another run. It was 4 nothing Dodgers. Luke Gregson came in to relieve Dallas Keuchel. The script was being written. Because remember, Clayton Kershaw threw a masterpiece in Game 1 of the World Series. The scenario was now all those hardships that Kershaw faced leading up to this will now be redeemed with an MVP in the World Series. It was reminiscent of Randy Johnson in pitching in the World Series in 2001 for the Diamondbacks after many, many postseason struggles with the Mariners, the Astros, and the Diamondbacks leading up to that. I bet you forgot that scenario because all we remember is Randy Johnson, the champion. Well, this is what Kershaw was going to give us. And then came the fourth. Carlos Correa doubled to put the Astros on the board. Yuri Gurriel launched a home run to tie the game. Things did not look good at that point. It was this more the same. Now, in retrospect, we wonder, were they stealing the signs? I don't know, and neither do you. In the top of the fifth, Cody Bellinger homered off of Colin McHugh, and suddenly the Dodgers were up 7-4. to four. The Dodgers had given Clayton Kershaw seven runs over five innings. Okay. Kershaw came back out in the fifth. Should he have come out in the fifth? I don't know. And again, neither do you. But Marwin Gonzalez flew out. Brian McCann struck out. So he got the first two batters. Everything was lining up. That was going to be part of the narrative. He had that one hiccup. But then he let up a walk to Springer. And then he let up a 10-pitch walk to Alex Bregman. It took 18 pitches to walk Springer and Bregman, both of them on full counts. Think of all the foul balls or a slight swing and miss. That inning would be over and it would be a formality. Instead, he was gassed and he couldn't get out of the fifth. In came in Kenta Maeda to face Jose Altuve. And what happened? Altuve launched a home run into center field. And now we were going to the sixth inning, tied 7-7. And guess what? It got crazier. Cody Bellinger 
triple the, the left field, sending just uh, Kenning Kiki Hernandez in to break the tie and give the Dodgers an 8-7 lead. Brandon Morrow had pitched in every game of the World Series and was gassed, but the Dodgers needed to get those final nine outs. They brought in Morrow, and Morrow had nothing. He let up a first-pitch home run to George Springer that was a no-doubt-about-it home run. He then let up a single to Bregman. He then let up a double to Altuve that put the Astros ahead. And then Carlos Correa hit a two-run home run. It was kind of sort of sad to watch how terrible Brandon Moore was and how little he had in the tank. And an 8-7 Dodger lead turned into an 11-8 Astros lead. There was no narrative to this game. It just was going to be bonkers. Corey Seager hit an RBI double to make it 11-9, but Brian McCann hit a home run to make it 12-9 going into the ninth. It's now all a formality. Now, the Astros were no longer using Ken Giles. Why? Because he stunk in that postseason. So they handed the ball to Chris Davinsky. Chris Davinsky's job was to hold a 12-9 lead. That's all he had to do. Yasiel Puig hit a two-run homer with one out to make it a one-run game. Fine. Then Austin Barnes doubled. Okay. But Jock Peterson grounded out, and the Astros were one out away from winning the game. And then Chris Taylor came up and hit a five-quadrillion bouncer up the middle that scored Barnes. When that happened, your pal Sully burst into laughter. It was 12-12. I turned to the person I was watching the game with, threw my hands up in the air and said, I have no idea what's happening in this game anymore. The game was just nutso. Absolutely nutso. That's a technical term. Nutso. Yet here we are. A Dallas Keuchel versus Clayton Kershaw game was 12-12 after 9. It went into extra innings after Josh Reddick flew out to end the bottom of the ninth with the tying run, on, or the winning run, sorry, on second base after Yuri Gurriel uh, doubled. And the other weird thing happened is they made so many pinch running decisions, pinch hitting decisions. You're like, who's left on the bench? Kenley Jansen got out of the jam in the ninth, and then Andre Ethier, who I forgot was even on that team, singled the left field in the 10th inning, but he was left stranded. Then we went to the bottom of the 10th inning. And with two outs and nobody on, Brian McCann got hit by a Kenley Jansen pitch. Then George Springer walked, and Derek Fisher came in as a pinch runner for McCann. Alex Bregman came up, lined a ball to left field. Pinch runner Fisher came in to score, and the Astros won the game 13-12. The Dodgers had scored 12 runs in, a, in nine innings in a game started by Clayton Kershaw and couldn't win. The Astros scored 12 runs in nine innings in a game started by Dallas Keuchel and still went into extra innings. You had situation when you looked at the line score, it just looks Cody Bellinger drove in four runs and reached base three times. Chris Taylor got a pair of hits. 
Logan Forsyth drove in two. Yasiel Puig drove in two. And then you look at the, the Astros side. Altuve got three hits. Correa got three hits. Altuve, Correa, and Gurriel all drove in at least three runs apiece. Now, how many of that was aided by a sign stealing? I don't know, and you don't either. And looking back in some of these postseason games, when you see these tremendous pitchers like Chris Sale, like Corey Kluber, like Clayton Kershaw, say that 10 times fast, you see these pitchers getting absolutely clobbered in Houston when they pitch so well elsewhere. It kind of sort of makes you wonder how much of it was sign stealing. I'm not going to blame all of it on sign stealing, nor am I going to try to delegitimize the Houston Astros World Series title of 2017. All I'm saying was, Game 5 of the World Series that year was bananas. So there you go. That's the best Game 5 of the World Series of the 2010s. On this special weekend edition of Lockdown MLB, there's only two more left. And my goal was to get all of these done before the new year. So in Game 6, the best Game 6 of the World Series is going to be on Monday. The best Game 7 of the World Series is going to be on New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Day, we're going to start a brand new season of Lockdown MLB. Some New Year's thoughts and new shows coming up as well. So that was it. That game was so nuts. I w- I'm unabashedly, I'm going to say I was rooting for Los Angeles. I was in Los Angeles at the time. I was in my home in Pasadena. And I was rooting for the Dodgers. And I was specifically rooting for Clayton Kershaw. I happen to be a Clayton Kershaw fan. I want to see Clayton Kershaw win a title, so sue me. But those are your Game 5s. There are some great ones, including a Giants World Series title and a Red Sox World Series title. And as those are my two favorite teams. Do you know what? It was fun to review those two. So go to the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the places you get your podcasts. When you get to your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB and check us out on Twitter and, M- and on Instagram at Lockdown MLB. Going over the best Game 5 of the World Series of the past decade on a weekend. This is Lockdown MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.